dubbed the queen of performance art. Lucy McCormick produces work that's been described as funny and vulgar, artfully indelicate and gloriously messy. Lucy will give us an inside view of her stage shows, talking us through how they're built from the first ideas right through to the first performance. And Andre Pink, the producer of Tramshare's progression programme for emerging artists, will be alongside as well. He'll tell us how he'd like to see young artists learn from Lucy's example. All that coming up on Tramshed Presents. Welcome to Tramshed Presents. I'm Jason Caffrey. And for this, the fifth and final episode of our current season sequins, panties and moustaches, we remain locked out of our pop-up studio at the Tramshed building because of coronavirus. And so I'm at home and Andre and Lucy are speaking to me down the line from their homes and I'm quite proud of myself actually because I think I've got you both sitting under blankets, haven't I, to help improve the acoustics while we record. I'm literally sat in a little tent like made from a drying rack and a pair of curtains. I love that. I absolutely love it. <laughs> and Andre, you've showed me your setup and it is, well, I want to say a work of art. Tell us about your... Uh, I mean, I, f I feel like I'm playing cowboys and Indians here. I'm kind of <laughs> inside this little tent made of juvets and a sound blanket. Yeah, clothes rails. I'm sitting on a yoga stool. Very uncomfortable for my knees, but uh, everything for, for the sake of this podcast. <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm actually really grateful to the both of you for going to all the trouble. Look, Lucy, can we start by talking about your shows and specifically, let's begin with your 2016 show, Triple Threat, which hangs on the story of the New Testament, which is essentially the story of Jesus's life, his death and resurrection. Why did you choose that material for what was your first show under your own name? Oh, right. Well, it was my first show. So I thought, well, to start with, you know, the greatest story ever told, I suppose. Um, no, I had been trying out little sections of the story in cabaret environments and nightclubs and stuff. And the first one that I did was the nativity story and it just worked really well i really enjoyed that mixture of uh, the pop culture references and the religion and putting those two things together and so then i started looking through the story at other bits to play around with and i don't know like i like how epic the story is i like how theatrical it is it seemed useful in terms of opening up certain gender discourses and conversations around feminism, queerness. So I'm sort of using the story as a catalyst to kind of start some of those conversations. So there was plenty to get your teeth into. Let's just hear a little excerpt from Triple Threat. This is from the crucifixion scene. And to carry his own... Cross, yeah, up a hill. 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 <laughs> <laughs> He's then nailed. nailed. Yeah. So uh, to the cross, I he is crucified. crucified. 
and over a day slowly left to die. die. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I really am funny, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> you know, the reason that I chose that clip was because you are talking through the process of a man being tortured to death mm. and it's raising a laugh. And for me, I just thought, well, it doesn't really get much more controversial, really, than laughing at somebody being tortured to death. And there's satire and plenty of humour in Triple Threat, but watching it, it can be hard to know sometimes where the butt of the joke really lies, mm. whether it's religion or representations of women or even yourself. Mm-hmm. And it seems that you've got a lot of things that you want to put under the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, that is probably true. I think in that particular bit, you know, I'm I'm wanting them to question what they know of the story and how they, just how they know it so quickly and easily, like without even trying. I think the whole premise really of making this show was about thinking about because I didn't grow up religious what that wasn't it wasn't like this cathartic experience in terms of that it was more like how even as a non-religious person has this story like seeped into my being and controlled a lot of my life in terms of sort of Western society anyway, how we take in these stories almost by accident and are judged by them and live our lives by them or sort of questioning that at least. And so in that silly sort of almost like charades-esque bit, um, I'm just getting them to, to to play along. And they and like you say, they almost, they're having fun and before they've even realised what they're talking about, the sort of comedy and the difficulty are constantly being negotiated at. I suppose, in the show. And, Andre, I want to bring you in at this point because what Lucy's describing is something I've heard you talk about throughout this series, which is subversion, subverting our, if you like, common accepted way of following a narrative or not even really asking ourselves about a story like The Crucifixion. Um, and I remember in, in one edition you said that Lucy really raises the flag when it comes to being subversive. And is that why you wanted her to give a masterclass at Tramshed? I saw Triple Thread actually on the day that Lucy filmed the show because Lucy sent us the film, so I rewatched it actually today. And it was really interesting that all of a sudden I was there watching the, the show. <laughs> and I'm one of the first people that help you at the end, like raising when you're lifted. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. <laughs> and I mean, I think that uh, Lucy plays with this. Uh, there's a sense of vertical, I think, in her work. You, there is danger. There is explicit humor. We laugh a lot, but at the same time, there is a, a danger in the room. You don't know where, how far she's going to go. You know, is she going to come close to us? And, and that place that she puts the audience, the fact that we are on the edge uh, going on this journey with her, I think it's very exciting. I think uh, she brings a, a breath of fresh air into the, the UK scene in a way that I haven't seen a lot of work like this, apart from like going to gay places, gay cabarets, or maybe watching things in Berlin or things in Sao Paulo, like very kind of uh, avant-garde. Uh, here in the UK, usually people play a bit safer. And I like the fact how 
you don't know how far she's going to go. And there's something about uh, the skills that she brings in as well. She's an amazing singer, an amazing dancer. So it kind of legitimizes her to go really dirty as well. Do you agree with that, Lucy? Oh, I agree with everything you've just said, Andre. <laughs> no, thank you for that. I mean, this is great. This is, uh, I think it'd be great if you did, you know, any interviews or anything that I've got to do. Um, uh, yeah, I've always felt like a good tactic for getting the audience on side uh, is stuff like singing and dancing and also like the humour and the telling jokes. And it's like you're trying to get the audience to like you. And then once they like you, you can sort of throw whatever you want at them, really. And they're more likely to go along with it. But really, ultimately, I think you understand that it's Lucy on stage, Lucy, who has got the wrong idea of things or is going about something the wrong way or is going too far. And for me, it should really, you know, it's always me that, that ultimately people are, are laughing at. And Lucy, I will ask you about your process and how your shows uh, get put together. But I saw in, in one interview, you said that you don't stop until someone tells you you've gone too far and that you, you've kind of taken that as a mantra. And is subversion and transgression even an aim for you as an artist, something that you set out to achieve? Yeah, no, I definitely do seek it out. I think, you know, I'm pretty much quite like conventional looking person. <laughs> Others might disagree. I've got a bit of a weird face. But anyway, I'm interested in, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman, I'm white. I'm interested in examining what the audience expectation is. When I walk onto the stage, what is it they expect from me? And what do they assume of me? And that's a sort of constant game, really. So then once I start talking or once I say what the show is about, what do they expect? And, you know, I think you always want to feel like you're a step ahead of the audience. But I think these last couple of shows for me anyway have become, you know, a real extension of that idea. You know, I'm subverting a lot of this pop imagery, but I'm also almost like then looking to or how can I turn that on its head? Now I've turned it on its head or whatever. And just, I don't know. And I don't know if this, what this says about me, but I don't think I like to land on answers a lot. I like to sort of keep the questions in the air. And that's why I've sort of really started to weave in so many different references and inspirations into the shows. And that comes from just my life experience really as well. I trained as an actor, I've worked in theatre, but I've worked in really kind of, grassroots performance art and nightclubs and then now sort of more, moving more into cabaret and comedy and stuff and so even in terms of the format of the show I'm sort of playing around with what is it at any given moment and that's just quite it's just quite an enjoyable way to work really. And for your 2019 show Post Popular your focus turned to historical women that was the what the show yeah. hung on, uh, looking to find inspiration for the future. And which women did you go for and why? Well, um, it's important for me to tell stories or deconstruct stories that are close to me, you know, and that's how I felt with the New Te Testament, again, talking about sort of Western society and, and questioning my own um, take on that story and 
you know, I identify as a woman, I've a woman's experience and um, just knowing how I work with all this crazy stuff that I do and deconstructing it. I just, yeah, I wanted to put those women's stories on myself at this point of time in time and um, see how they fit and see in a way what they can tell us about today. I mean, again, like the, um, what I was saying, like telling the New Testament is an impossible story taking on these roles myself but and it's a similar it was a sort of follow-on you know in uh, post-popular um the stupid joke at the beginning is that I will uh, I'm about to perform all the famous women in history and that's the sort of joke and in the end it turns out there's sort of five because that's how many women there are in history and the show is a serious look at you know where are the women's stories in history where are the queer women's stories in history as well i look at the first one is that it goes back to a religious story we start with eve because obviously she's the first woman then i look at boudicca anne boleyn uh, there's a little bit about the suffragettes florence nightingale and i think that's literally it and that becomes a sort of joke in in the show but yeah just to say quickly just i don't know if people haven't seen the show, the other idea that runs through the show is sort of that Lucy's saying, maybe by looking at these women's stories, I can understand my own home a bit better. And unlike Triple Threat, really, there's an element of autobiography coming through in post-popular. So actually within, I sort of say I'm telling these different stories, but what keeps happening is Lucy keeps returning to her own autobiography or her own references sort of seep into those stories and so it's a bit of an excuse to offer up some of my own story as well. Mm -hmm. And Andre you're a performer yourself and you see a lot of theatre a lot of shows I don't want to put you on the spot here but when you when you saw Triple Threat and Post Popular what did you make of them and I you know I'm not asking you for a kind of can you critique them but uh, just in terms of where they fit into all of the cabaret and the multitude of theatre that you watch. I saw uh, Triple Thread in, uh, in Edinburgh in 2016 when it opened and I just had heard that the show, that I should watch the show, but I didn't have any idea what I was going to watch. <laughs> and I was sitting on the first row and when Lucy starts the show, it's uh, immediately there is a danger in the air. Uh, Lucy dares uh, and she uses her body as a canvas to speak, I think, to, to make us laugh. But also she's got a very acid target. She shoots bullets at the audience. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Where is she going to go after this, this beginning here? <laughs> How far can she go? And I was completely surprised. I felt that it was a breath of fresh air in, in British theatre because I think that most of the things that you watch are so safe. There's so much risk assessment and, and Lucy doesn't give a damn about that. She really, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, it, 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 there's a lot of skill. Lucy is an amazing singer, an amazing dancer. She's got amazing comical tempo. There's a lot of references not only to comedy but to live art as well. Uh, so I, I was like, wow, this is sophisticated and super entertaining. And then I saw post, I actually saw you doing one bit, the last bit of post popular in the men's working club. Ah, uh, yeah. At Bethnal Green, which was like a great evening, very daring. Mm. And then it was good to see post popular and then see that 
that there was that same bit that I had seen was the bit that ended the show, right? In Postpopular. Mm. And also I thought that you were performing Postpopular at a different slot in Edinburgh. It was kind of earlier, a bigger venue. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, yeah, I really enjoyed, but I think the Triple Threat, I think it's my favorite uh, of the shows that I've seen so far. I mean, I, I feel that shows are a little bit like when you're a maker, they're like your children in a way. How do you compare the two of them? And you have a third one, right? Yeah. It would be nice to hear about that too. Hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's funny with the shows. I don't know if you get this with your shows or if people get this, but I've tended to find that whatever show people see first is their favorite because post popular was a slightly different challenge or like yeah I decided to go into a bigger venue in like more of an accessible kind of space in a way and my audience diversified a bit and that was a bit of a project for me so a lot of people have now seen post popular who never even saw triple threat but a couple of them I just did triple threat again in Australia in January and those people were like oh we prefer post popular so it's it's really interesting but um yeah I actually just made my third show under my own name which is called life live and it's a completely different show to these two shows that we're talking about it's a music project so basically I wrote an album and the show is sort of the live concert of the album and as well as the music it's a very visual project so it's much more about set and costume in a way that I've never I've never really worked that way before I usually just like literally grab any old crap that's in the corner and just wear that (laughs) so uh, yeah it was just a completely new challenge so yeah it's been really interesting and that project's been completely cancelled this spring because of coronavirus and stuff but I'm expecting to do it again around this time next year. And you you collaborated with a visual artist is it right? I I kind of saw some of the pic the the costumes look amazing. Yeah yeah they're really cool yeah she's called Morven Mulgrew and she designed the costume and, and the set with me and we wanted the costume in the set to kind of be in conversation with each other. So, for example, at one point I sort of get under the flooring and stand up and it sort of turns into a dress and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been really interesting, very cool project to work on. But in a way, for me, it makes sense because it's like the the karaoke and the pop songs have been so important in the shows so far and in a way they've just really grown legs you know and it's just taking that nugget of going let's both celebrate and deconstruct the pop song a little bit and so it's this kind of absurd and failed pop concert so yeah it's cool (laughs) can't wait (laughs) Lucy how do you start building a show where do the ideas start and and what's the process of them becoming well I first started writing the songs in my bedroom they weren't really songs they were like angry raps (laughs) I never thought they would see the light of day and then I started this costume project with Morven completely separately to that and I was just thinking oh what would be my real like dream scenario and I just sort of said it out loud to her like oh, you know, if this was a dream, ideal situation, I think I would have my own songs. And, you know, I really imagined that project into existence. Like, I don't really know how to do it. I don't know how to write the songs where I didn't at the beginning. I don't know what the show should look like. And we we really 
yeah, imagined that out of nothing and like have absolutely chanced it basically. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of themes going on in the background. I was actually quite depressed when I started writing the songs and it's got this sort of real dark and despairing undertone. But, you know, I often think if you're like in difficult times, what you want is is either to like laugh or to dance or to listen to really loud music, you know, and that was just what I felt doing at, at that point. But the other shows have been quite different to that. Like Andre said, he saw like a section of post-popular early on in a cabaret environment. And those shows I really have tested out bits of material via cabaret, stand-up nights sometimes, performance art events. And I'm just sort of testing, testing, testing the, the material. And you know, it takes quite a long time to transfer that into an hour long show. It's not easy. It's not like you can go, oh, great. Well, I've got this 10 minutes here, that 10 minutes there and sellotape it all together. But it's definitely how I've been just trying out like new ideas and seeing what I'm enjoying. I really like to enjoy doing my own show. You know, I think that's actually quite a nice feeling. That's yeah, always good, um, too, isn't it? Enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with post-pop, again, there's just different things that I want to try out. Like with post-pop, I knew I wanted to do a bit more audience participation kind of stuff. And that now in the show, again, is um, it's a game or it's almost like a false invitation. So they never really have to participate, but there's kind of always the threat. And it's more <laughs> like Lucy sort of climbs all over them or falls on them, whatever. But when I was testing out the material, I really was getting them up on stage. I was making them do like trust exercises with me and stuff like that. And yeah, just like quickly with Triple Threat, that started when someone asked me if I wanted to do a short thing for a Christmas cabaret and I'd, I'd been using a lot of dance like I had like a residency or something and we had some dance routines with the two collaborators and dancers that I work with but I had no reason to do a dance and then I thought oh well what if if we do a nativity and the three kings arrive like dancing to Christina Aguilera or something that to me <laughs> you know, that to me that to me absolutely allows this sort of terrible commercial dancing um you know it sort of balances it out and then after that that worked so well I went through the New Testament and that's what I started to do in clubs and stuff was tell stories from the New Testament and at that point the project was a bit more about like the nightclub as you know the church or something but yeah then I made it into that the hour-long show and I mean it was really really hard it's like getting blood out of a stone but you know you get there in the end I absolutely love it that you imagined life live into existence I might actually adopt that as my mantra <laughs> imagine oh, things into existence cool. but yeah. look something that you touched on a little bit earlier about working to a slightly different audience and other artists that we've spoken to in previous episodes have talked about the challenge of pitching work to a core queer audience and mm. balancing that yeah. with moving their work into the mainstream and trying to reach a more mainstream audience without sacrificing essentially the integrity of their work and the message they want to get across. Mm. How far is that something that occupies you when you are working on your shows? I think it depends on the project or like what I'm doing. Sometimes it's just for like whoever's at the event and I don't I don't think you necessarily 
have to reach out to the mainstream. But I just feel like just with the kind of performer I am, that is part of my practice now. You know, I do a lot of stuff from like entertainment with a capital E, like the singing and the dancing. And it's definitely become a central question, like how do I buy in performance art as part of this? It's almost like a sort of sneaky little game, like getting people on side and the show also containing performance art. But yeah, it's a funny sort of negotiation. And again, it probably doesn't say a lot about me, but I think I basically want to please everyone and I want to make shows that my performance art friends can be like, oh yeah, but then also like randomers can walk in and not just run out again <laughs> and um kind of like a game really of getting people on side but you know that's not to say I don't think everyone should work like that it just it is of interest to me and I think also you just want to keep yourself interested and triple threat was a bit more underground and um I was really interested in citing myself in a more mainstream venue in Edinburgh with the second show and there was a lot of stand-up going on and it was just really interesting to see how the work was taken in that environment but you know I think it depends on what you're making really. Uh, and uh, something else that again you've touched on a little bit so far but uh, and I know that this is something that Andre is interested in as well because you might have got the idea that he's a big fan of your work Lucy but how far how far is you know you refer to yourself in the third person when you're talking about your shows mm, I do how, sometimes yeah that's probably quite weird so how far is the Lucy McCormick we see on stage a reflection of Lucy McCormick off stage well it is it's ma it's massive I mean it is just me really but I suppose we all have these different versions of ourselves and you know, right now I'm really trying to concentrate and be like, oh, how do I articulate these things? I actually find interviews and stuff quite a bizarre experience because I think it's like, you know, sometimes you make work in order to articulate something and you're like, okay, that's how best I've articulated that. And then people are like, okay, so can you articulate what you just articulated? And it's just kind of like, <laughs> oh, I don't know how to do that. Um, we can't help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean though? It, it's a funny sort of, you know, especially with my shows, there's such a concoction of things. And then it, it's sort of like, in a way, shall we untangle it? Or how do you untangle it? And, and also how are you, you know, when people ask you about your process, I think for me anyway, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how self-aware I can be about that. Like a lot of the time I just like sit on the tube and like, I just like have an idea and I do it. There's not, not really like a mystical process. But um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is, I suppose we all have these different ways of being and these different versions of ourselves. And Again, for me, that's a, a heightened thing in the shows is like, what version of myself am I being now? And it's a sort of stripping back of persona and the, the persona might start quite big. And that usually literally starts with sort of hair extensions and heels and all that cabaret stuff. They usually come off quite quickly. And then it's like, so what now? So I would say, you know, and God, it's both completely me and maybe sometimes not me at all but I think the point is that that sort of is an inherent question in the work and like at the end of the day does it matter but it's just sort of putting the question 
in the room. You clearly bring a lot of energy to your onstage persona. And you know, I wonder if you have to balance that when you're off stage. You know, I know some boxers famously just let let it all completely unravel between bouts you know i wonder if you if you do you have to do you have to sort of take time off from being subversive and i, I don't know go and trim the bonsai tree or <laughs> something like that well yeah i have to take time off and watch like sam and billy's mummy diaries and like do ironing and just have a break from being subversive no i'm taking the mick out of myself i'm not i, I don't necessarily feel like that but what i um also, I do watch The Mummy Diaries. You probably don't even know what that is. But anyway, um, I'm sure some of your listeners will be fans. Um, what I do find is when people meet me, they usually think I'm going to be this sort of nightmare. <laughs> um, you know, just maybe a bit closer to like the experience of the person that they meet on stage. And I do think sometimes I overcompensate f- with that because I'm like, no, that would be awful. Like, she is a horrible person. And, like, I really, sometimes I think I am a bit super chilled with some people because I can tell they're sort of waiting for me to, I don't know, just be a bit sort of, like, out there. And I just can't be bothered to, like, demonstrate that again because the show is, like, so much about that. That would feel weird. But don't get me wrong, like... I have my moments. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Andre, you had booked Lucy to come in and give a masterclass at Tramshed. And, you know, like so many other things, it's had to be postponed. But of all the things that you would like any young artist to take away from Lucy's work, what would be the things you would point to? I mean, uh, would be. I'm really interested in uh, seeing what is it that she wants to share with young people, with emerging artists. I was like really curious. I don't know if Lucy, if you have a lot of experience being a facilitator and running classes and stuff like that, but it's clear to me that there is, a, you know, all the skills. There's a lot of clowning in her work. There's a little bit of buffon. There is a lot of understanding of performance arts and stuff. What is it that she's going to share? And for me, there's. Uh, the ethos of that she brings as an artist, the way that she's not scared of being personal at the same time, kind of uh, stir the air, provoke, uh, make us question, lots of different things. I think that uh, if I could instigate uh, that, uh, you know, that sense of provocation, that sense of confronting status quo with your work, but with, with humour, I mean, that would be amazing, yeah. And Lucy, did you, did you have a plan for the masterclass? <laughs> or, 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 or was it going to nah, be put together was, on the tube? Yeah, I was really just going to rock up and just like, you know, make them tell me what they think would be a good idea. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, funnily enough, I'd have that. Um, I, I have done a fair amount of workshops and like doing stuff at unis and stuff like that. And I mean, to be fair, I also think the best workshops aren't. 100% planned and you have to be quite flexible and spontaneous in the room depending on who's there but I did want to because this workshop was more about devising and, and weaving these different uh, ways of working together I'd sort of set up you essentially would a little bit make something together and they could see what that process is for me and using, you know, these kind of high and low forms of art and how I might negotiate them and using sort of 
very DIY materials to make, you know, hopefully something spectacular. You know, that was the general gist. <laughs> but what I find is when I do workshops, what I really want people to feel the most is just to feel really enabled. There's just like, you know, at the end, we have this feeling in the room that people are like, you know, even if it's not exactly what they would do in their work or they've done something quite different to usual, they sort of think, oh, I feel really enabled to think about my own practice or I feel, you know, inspired to go and do my own thing. And that's what I'm looking for at the end of the workshop. It's quite sad to talk about this workshop that's not happening, but anyway. Will it happen, Andre? I know you still want it to. Yeah, I the the invitation is there, Lucy. So we we have Great. talked about that. Yeah, Great. for you to yeah. So let's do it. Cool, cool. And, and Lucy, when you are talking to emerging artists, what do you tell them about how best to pursue their art and and where where to learn and how to build their skill set? I mean, obviously that's like kind of a huge question, but the tack that I usually take is no one's going to sprinkle magic dust on you. Like it's really hard work. Keep putting your time and effort into it. Have space to think and write and dream, but also go to work and be late and be on the tube and you might have your best idea ever. But, um, you know, I think it's more about working really hard and in a way not feeling overwhelmed by this mystical, you know, art form. It's like, no, just learn, just learn and practice and like, it'll be good. <laughs> well, with that, we'll bring this edition of Tramshed Presents to a close and with it, our debut season, sequins, panties and moustaches. Many, many thanks to you, Lucy McCormick, for taking time out to give us an insight into your world and your work. Welcome. And also to Tramshed's Andre Pink for lending us his guidance and expertise in each and every episode this season. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, be sure to get an ear across our previous episodes. We've spoken to drag queen Dolly Trolley, the artistic director of the Drag Kings troupe Pex, to radical cabaret artist Marissa Kaneski and the queen of queerlesque Ruby Jones. We'd love to get your feedback on this season. You can send your thoughts to me. I'm at Jason Caffrey on Twitter. And Tramshed's Twitter handle is at Tramshed underscore if you want to keep up with opportunities for young artists working in theatre. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <sighs>